0: So at seven metres out, Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. <laughs> Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. <laughs> Kefu!
1: back to another episode of the Running Rugby podcast, uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa is getting off and getting going. Um, my name is Archie and with me I have Leo, uh, no Toby this week, he couldn't join us unfortunately.
0: Not committed to the cause, not focused on every game, there's only two a week Toby, come on, get, get your act together.
1: Let's be honest, how much does he really add to the podcast anyway? Um, he, he just talks about how much he hates Jackson Garden Bashup anyway.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's about a third, I think, is what he adds in, in words spoken.
1: Oh, if, if we're talking in purely mathematical terms, but, you know, what about the heart? What about the heart, Leo?
0: Oh, no, nothing this week, obviously. That's, that much is
1: clear. <laughs> All right, plenty to talk about. Obviously, we have round two of Super Rugby New Zealand to talk about um, some big results in that and a bit of big news coming out of Australia um, we'll go to that first. Firstly, we talked about Isaac Rotter last week, um, along with his sort of um, outlawed Reds teammates, but Rotter's come out this week and announced that he's signed with Lyon for the twenty 2020, twenty 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 one season. So he's off to France at some point.
0: Which is super disappointing. Uh, I won't go and repeat myself, but like to, to lose a guy of that quality from any team with that potential young guy, you know, well and truly part of the Wallabies' outfit. Like, not, not one of the guys I would expect to be uh, just sort of removed and wound out uh, with this change of coaching and, and a new four-year cycle. Rodder was going to be there. Rodder was going to be part of it. Really disappointing that he's going to be overseas now and, and not eligible for the Wallabies. And exactly. I guess we don't really know how how soon he'll be back. And, yeah, just... just uh, I'm re- Really disappointing. I, I just thought the Reds had so much potential and I think Rotter was a big piece of that.
1: Exactly. Definitely one of the first names you think about, especially with the exodus of all the other big names in uh, the second rows for the Wallabies. And whether or not we see Wallabies games this year, we're still assuming and hoping that we do. Um, this just opens up even more spots for people to um, get a place for themselves and, and grab a position and hold on. It might be hard to get back in.
0: Yeah, I hope we, we see some guys come through. Uh guys like Angus Blythe. Uh yep. you know, wide, wide open opportunity for him now. Like he's got less competition at the Reds. He should be starting, very visible. Uh he's winning the budgie smugglers contest on Instagram for the Reds too. So he should have a bit of uh positivity and, and momentum there heading into the season. Coming starting the season the winner.
1: <laughs> That's it. Feeling feeling a bit full of himself there, yeah, for sure. No, you put Angus Blythe and you put down people like Matt Phillip we've talked about having um, a good start to the year earlier this year. So hopefully he can keep it going. And um, one of my favourites as well, Caden Neville, coming back obviously into the Brumbies. And um, he may end up being sort of the the veteran around these parts because he's someone with a bit more experience, has been in the Wallabies outfit, although briefly in the past, um, and a bit more of a sensible head on himself.
0: Yeah, Rennie will definitely uh, be able to pick from this young, fresh crop and, and a couple of older guys, but like everyone will be so fresh. No one will have any baggage. So I guess there's there's that to look at uh, spinning it in a more positive light, yeah. bringing in some fresh legs and really put put the Rennie uh, strategy into their heads without any other baggage.
1: Exactly. And the other big news um, affecting our Waratahs, Kirtley Beale announced just earlier... Um, in the week that he was leaving the Waratahs um, with immediate effect, not staying for this competition, and he's going to join Racing 92 over there in France um, from now on.
0: Yeah, so his management have asked for an immediate release so that he can uh, freshen up. I mean, I can't imagine he's been doing a whole lot of training and obviously hasn't played that many games, but um, yeah, to freshen up before this stint overseas... So he won't be seeing him in Super Rugby Australia on July 3rd against the Reds. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's gone down on a, on a fairly sour note uh, with teammates and, and with the public because he was apparently the last week he was off training with flu-like symptoms, mm. not involved, presumably you know working on the, the, the breaking news of, of his contract and, and whatever other arrangements have been made. Buddy was photographed by one of the papers here uh, jumping on a on a yacht on the Sydney harbour with Alan Jones and a and a bunch of his mob to to celebrate something to do with Alan Jones, which I don't understand. But you know, it's if you're at home with flu like symptoms and you're not training, and all your mates are training and they're all committed, and the you know, the super rugby season is is restarting soon, and then you get caught. In that fashion and then two days later you're announcing that you're leaving with immediate effect like that's that's not going to win any more fans yeah it um, doesn't
1: look good
0: yeah and and really uh, we look at what Rennie had indicated earlier in the year when he released a, a bit of a, a pick list of, of people who he was focused on bringing into his squad so giving people a bit of a, a tap on the shoulder and saying look you're, you're in our sights keep it up and Bill wasn't in that and I don't think any of us are Expecting, uh, we're expecting massive things from him this year. Like he's, he's not old, but he is on the older side. And we definitely, I think he's definitely been past his peak, and he hasn't really shown like he was going to reach those heights again. So I think he was probably on the outer anyway. Maybe he's taken that as a sign. Uh, He's probably found a a lucrative opportunity for himself overseas. And yeah, honestly, I don't think we'll see him in the Wallabies fold anytime soon now.
1: I do, I feel a bit bad for him though Like he's a guy that's He's put a lot of his time and effort into Getting back into sort of the good graces of Australian fans Obviously had that sort of turmoil earlier in his career Went through the Rebels Left left Australian Rugby Went over to the Wasps over in the UK um, Some quite severe injuries But sort of built himself back up Came back And like you think back to, I, I know it's five years ago now, but 2015 World Cup when Falao got injured early and he sort of took over that full-back role for the majority of the tournament and was one of our best. And even prior to that, when he was winning sort of World Player of the Year, um, he's he's given a lot to Australian rugby and, and to the Waratahs.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean, though. I think that, that period, that high in his career... Um, you, know, so you see some older guys who managed to extend that that period uh, for quite a long time, maintain their form, even if it, it comes and goes a little bit, but ultimately they're always in the, in the competition. I just don't think Beale and, and maybe some of the guys that left the Waratahs prior to the start of the original super season this year, that exodus after the World Cup, I think we lost a lot of people who maybe had you know just gotten a bit stuck in their ways, didn't really have the mental toughness to to push out and, and win games that were pretty tight. I think Bill, in my mind, kind of fits that category now. So nothing against his achievements. It's just I, I feel like he wasn't really achieving anymore in Australian rugby. So hopefully he can find some um, some fans and, and some form overseas. I just don't think Rennie will be plucking him out of out of France for the Wallabies. I think there's a lot of young talent here, and I'm really, really big on rewarding that young talent that's Chosen to stick around and and deserves a go. Yeah. Do you well, think what? Do you think Curtly Bill would be there in four years in the World Cup? I guess is the ultimate question. Yeah. I mean, is he going to be there in four years? And if he's not, does he have something in his experience and his um, personality and and that maturity to pass on? Well, and I think this activity kind of maybe maybe black, uh, darkens that a bit.
1: Oh, I don't know if it darkens it, but I do understand. Like, he's probably not going to be there in four years and what can he offer and it's it's almost a case of the man that's sort of been um utilized in so many different spots within the wallabies has been sort of a great fullback for them has played 12 has played a bit of 10 and so you're like well can he help sort of bring up sort of the next generation and it's a bit like well we know we have a couple of good fullbacks coming up through we've talked about Tom Banks a lot we've talked about um, Dane Haylett-Petty are sort of the front runners there for the 15 jersey. We didn't talk about Bill early on. And then his sort of playmaking at 12 doesn't really suit what we think is going to be the Wallabies' direction. And he probably hasn't played enough 10 to mentor any of these younger guys um, in that sort of regard as well. So I do understand that maybe um, his contributions would be a bit more limited in, in the current Wallabies' setup. looking forward towards that 2023 World Cup.
0: You think about someone like Adam Ashley Cooper as as a comparison, like while we didn't think he was really um in in wonderful form coming into the last World Cup, we kind of believed he was in that um in that group for his maturity and his experience yeah. and you know, his guy's been there all. yeah, he's been there a couple of times and it's it's not so much I can that he can offer like technical guidance to players in their role you know, every day as a, as a really specialised something, but just just the just the like steady steady nature of a few players like that. You bring them in, and you know things on tour can can go awry. It's not even in the game. Like this is you know players get injured or something happens to the team when they're when they're training, when they're traveling around, they get harassed by lo, like local media maybe, like all this sort of stuff. You don't mm-hmm. really see. And a few older guys are just, you know, they just help steer the team around and keep keep them out of trouble. Hopefully, I don't know that Beal is that type of character. I think he's probably, you know, make sure he's going to enjoy himself over in over in France. Um, I don't. I think he'll he'll say that he, he's keen to come back and play for the Wildies and he hopes to get selected. But honestly, it seems like he's he's going that way. He's going to go have fun and. If it happened, I'm sure he'd enjoy it, but I, I don't think he'll be too worried once he gets over there and he gets established.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Well, obviously, the Super Rugby Australia is not kicking off uh, for another two weeks. 3rd of July is that first game. Reds versus the Waratahs on that Friday night, um, which would be a great sort of kickoff for everything. We'll do a formal sort of preview of that competition next week, I think, with looking at the finalised sort of revisions to some of the law changes but New Zealand's obviously hit the second week. Still some new laws. Some games with quite a high level of penalties in them. But we start off Saturday night down in Waikato. I didn't make it down there in the end. Uh, opted to smack a few golf balls on, on the courses. First one since lockdown's over. And I'm and I I'm not, not sure I'm too unhappy missing out on what was a very wet and windy night down there. Um, and the Chiefs... Going down to the Blues. Blues leading the table now. Two from two as they took this one. 24
0: to 12. Yeah, and another really impressive game from the Blues. Uh, something which we were expecting. I think we we're all a little bit torn in our tipping. Like maybe maybe I, I definitely felt like the Blues could have could have won, but I thought with Aaron Cruden back in at fly half for the Chiefs, Chiefs playing at home, not knowing about the weather, just just imagining that. That momentum of them at home and after a, a close loss, I thought they they definitely um, step up to this next challenge, which we talked about being a, a pivotal moment in the season. Uh, and it was it was pre- pretty even for a while there, but the Blues just continued strong form, continued um, you know really uh, aggressive attacking play. It was really interesting actually in the um, post game interviews I've watched a few of them and I think it was Mackenzie and when players you know they kind of run through a few lines and it's all a bit um, you know it's, it's all a bit repetitive yeah. week to week like some guys tend to say the exact same stuff and McKenzie talked about the blues talking about how consistent they are and how um, how much of a challenge they are because they're they're always in the fight and they're um, you know they've always been a really like settled um Consistent, um, skillful group, and I mean, throwback twelve months. There's no way you'd say that of no. the Blues. The Blues yeah, have been the most absolutely. up and down, at like huge hype, and then you know it doesn't eventuate, or it's only in patches. And yeah. obviously now that's coming on, but um, I guess I guess that's how he sees them now. So a maybe shift. the memories are short, but yeah, yeah it's, it is absolutely. I think if the players are talking about it that way, while they, if you if you challenge that and said, oh look, you know, twelve months ago not exactly true no and they'd say they'd probably agree but certainly that's the perception now that the blues are a consistent outfit and and are in the game for 80 minutes aren't going to get really emotional and wild when things aren't going their way or even when they're winning and, and lose focus um patrick tuapuatu the captain of the blues was interviewed and and he talked about how they used to run on emotion and it didn't work for them and so now they're trying to be more calm and more tactical and it's Absolutely working, and I mean, he's a massive exponent of that. You see that in the game. Tulpalotu is huge, huge carries, huge yeah. hits. Yeah, always communicating. You know, he's, he's he's um engaging with the ref, which is you know a good thing in these high penalty count games. Um, and in the new environment, the way they're refereeing the ruck, um, and I mean. You 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 were talking about some of the other forwards as well. Like it's a really good pack and a really good set of backs, and it's all just working for them at the moment.
1: Absolutely, and look, the Blues just played this the smarter of the two teams, and whether it comes down to personnel in that wet, windy conditions, they played and they outplayed the Chiefs in the kicking game um, between a Terry Black and Bowden Barrett, just pinning them back over and over again. Look, there was loose ball on both sides, but with the territory game, and then the solid defence of the Blues just continues, and it's just such a difference between the two teams when one team is not missing those one-on-one tackles. Um, it just means that you just stop momentum, which the Chiefs need. They need that to thrive on, and they just weren't getting it. They they actually went away a little bit from their normal sort of lineup in terms of they played two sort of more out-and-out locks, two quite young. Um, talents there that played reasonably well, but they didn't have their sort of big sort of proponent of fetches in there. But you said Patrick Siopalotu, between him and Hoskins Satutu, the number eight, which again scored a try, pulled off an absolutely awesome pass to set up to in the second one, cut out pass, puts him on the outside. Like, they just that seems to be like they're two channels in attack. They go down the left side with Tuipulotu, the right side with Satutu there. And every time they make 5 meters at least with those guys carrying the ball, like it's just such a nice stable platform.
0: Yeah, and actually they they were they were touting this back row for the Blues before the game because they had Akira Ioane back in. Yep. Uh, and they had helped me out. Dalton Papalii got the start. Papalii who who, who got a card? In the first half, yeah. So the Blues actually got through a period of, of fourteen men, no dramas. Um, Papali was big, uh, and Akira Iwani played again a much more steady, um, consistent. Um, yeah. However many minutes it was, like he he wasn't like bursting through the line and throwing random one arm passes like wildly, as has been
1: the case yeah, in, the been in
0: the past. Yeah. And I mean, every now and then it comes off and it's just like, wow, what an athlete. But, you know, you you get the good with the bad. And it seems like he's just dialed that back a bit and he's just focused on being another forward, not trying to do too much. And again, it's just working for them. Um, They didn't seem like they contested the rucks a lot. It didn't seem like this was a game of many turnovers. Like the penalties were there, but um, it wasn't like a ferocious Mm. um, fetcher type game. And, And... and so yeah they just they just focused on defending hard uh in the wet causing errors like not not needing to try and steal the ball just causing errors yeah um putting press like Sean Wynui out on the wing for the chiefs through a couple of balls behind uh people like Damien McKenzie and um uh, Aaron Cruden at critical times and and that just sent the chiefs going backwards another 10 20 meters losing momentum and then having to kick from within their 22 instead of Halfway down the field, pinning the Blues in their corner. Yeah. So um, there's just that simple formula of pressure on pressure on every kick chase, pressure in defence up in their face, um, not not allowing a lot of line breaks, and letting the weather almost play its role as the Chiefs are playing catch up.
1: Well, I think it's something we'll probably talk about a bit in the next game with the Crusaders, but I think that's almost the formula now in those sort of rucks and things, not getting yourself too involved because there is a higher risk of penalties with these new law interpretations. Look, you have the guys that can do it, that can get down and often get those penalties like your Papa Lee's. Um, But other than that, don't don't put yourself at risk. Get yourself set. And like you said, their defence is that good that they just rattled the forward runners and they caused mistakes. And... Yeah, it, it led to them scoring tries, Chiefs trying to keep up with penalties and not really being able to in the end and led to the Blues getting two from two, topping the conference and Warren Gatlin's men now zero from two and is there a little bit of pressure starting to come on Warren Gatlin now? This is a Chiefs team that's been at the sort of near the top of the New Zealand conference for a, a couple of years and now they're... they're Gonna be in contention for the wooden spoon if things keep going like this.
0: Yeah, they. Um, I mean, they were they were going all right before the normal Super Rugby season, um, yeah. fell through, got postponed. They like Gatland. I'm sure. I don't think he's at risk. Not yet. Um, you know, he's too big a name. Name that many uh, interruptions and and factors in this season so far, let alone to come. That I think you know you you've just got to roll with it this year with a guy of his caliber and his experience, um, but it is very worrying because yeah two from zero from two, only eight games and next week we'll get two is Chiefs traveling to Christchurch, I mean this could be this could be very very tough sledding for the rest of their season if they go to zero and three, probably not expecting.
1: Well, that's what people will
0: expect. Really, that after game. that they're going to be yeah. yeah playing for not very much and um, you know I maybe that gives Warren Gatlin the time and the opportunity to, to test a few things and think about the next season. But like yeah, it's it's going from um, going from you know potential to win this competition outright first time to kind of dead rubbers from, from round four if they if they can't pick up their act and they've got the toughest challenge of the lot to to try and get back on that run.
1: So before we move on from this game, um Bowden Barrett obviously starting second game at fifteen for the Blues did move into ten later in the game um, and had quite a nice combination with Finlay Christie when he came on. Um, do you think this is validating the idea of Bowden Barrett keeping a fifteen jersey for the All Blacks?
0: Uh I don't know. I still think Barrett with with the right combinations um, is best at ten, but. Yeah, last last year's move where they moved him to fifteen, I think it really derailed part of their momentum and their cohesion in the World Cup. It, it just felt like that was the sort of thing you'd try one to two years into the four year cycle, not in the final year. Yeah. So from now, I mean, it's it's opportunity if that's what he wants to do. It's it's working for the Blues. otero um, Blacks holding up his end at ten. He's not looking threatened. We know Carter's in the wings as well, but he's you know probably only a a bit of a, a showpiece for certain games and you know he's not really there to try and take another guy's job and work his way back into the all blacks. So he's not I wouldn't think he's a huge threat. If something happened to Bowden Barrett and O'Tera Black, he's depth. Um and he's a mentor like we talked about with other guys earlier. So I think Barrett has has the freedom now to play at fifteen. He's he's doing a reasonable job there. I th- I think what's really cool is that he can come in at 10. And have a good combination with Finlay Christie, who came across from the Hurricanes as well, yep. did he not? Correct. So they've already got that connection; they're familiar with each other, and they really just they just kept the pace high late in that game with a couple of other substitutions, um, and just gave the defense a whole another series of headaches to look at. And if they do that week in week out, then I mean Barrett's Barrett's then able to step into the ten if he has to. He keeps those. Um, Keeps those skills fresh, but he gets the space at fifteen, and and probably some of the the leadership because he's standing back there and, and guiding the other guys around the park, getting a full full look at the the game in front of you. So, um, I think the I think the All Blacks are blessed that they've got guys like Richie Moanga still around, and I think Richie Moanga, we'll talk about the Crusaders, is still like absolutely elite, um, and it's still a very tough tough question to to ask someone to say why one is better than the other. They're both excellent players, Barrett and Moana, but I guess if Barrett's playing well at the back then um, you can use both and and that combination and that structure will develop more over time potentially for the next World Cup.
1: Well let's go and talk about the Crusaders because they kicked off um, their first game of Super Rugby Aotearoa, and they got to travel down to Wellington for the Hurricanes and Look, we all sort of touted on the pod we thought it would be um, very much on the side of the Crusaders in this game. The Hurricanes weren't helped by the fact that Geordie Barrett still not fit for this game as yet. Um, people thought he would be back, but that's obviously a bit of a blow. A little bit dry here, but still a fair bit of water and rain around for this, so not not the driest of tracks for it. Um, but the Crusaders, I mean, didn't take him long. Two minutes into the game... Severus gets over and um, kicks off the Crusaders' um, entry into this competition with a try, and it almost seemed like the Crusaders were going to run away with the game at that point.
0: And while they did run away with it later, um, the the Hurricanes did do well to to put a stop to that, and and they kept in touch. They kicked a lot of penalties. Um, I don't I don't know why it was odd. It worked out the way the game played out. It worked out in that first half. It kept them close by. I think it was, was it like 15-19 or something at halftime, thereabouts. It was only a small margin. It was definitely 15-19 yeah. at one point in the game.
1: Yeah, um, it was even less than that. It was 12 19.
0: Yeah, so they kicked And 25-all five...
1: with 20 minutes to go, 15
0: minutes Yeah. So, so they were right there and it sort of worked for them. But it, w- it was a bit odd to, to see a team like the Hurricanes taking penalties and not, not taking set-piece opportunities, not kicking for the corner and trying to unleash that back line. So... That's a change because I don't think they'd be doing that when Barrett was there. Bowden Barrett was there playing ten. Um, they just looked a bit hampered. They they still look like that that team of team of individuals, not a not a cohesive group. Um, and I mean, the Crusaders are just a well machine again. Like the the Hurricanes catch up, kick a few penalties, they're they're back right on on top of the Crusaders' scores level, and the Crusaders immediately. Um, break out full like a length of the field type effort and score more tries. I think it was uh, Havili was the last one, but no, there's another one before that. Um, it, it's like it's just clinical. Like they're always going forward. They're always crossing the game line. Yeah. They've always got support. Moanga looks fast when Moanga takes one of those balls. Um, he's kind of running on a bit of a, an outward angle. Takes a ball as he's looping around, switching sides. Bit of a goose step. Draws like. Half the defence at him, and then throws it out and he's got Braden Ennor. That was the other try. Brayden Ennor's try was excellent. Um, kick from Bryn Hall and yeah. Enor just fell on it in the corner. And yeah. oh, it's just like it's just a showcase. And the, the the Crusaders are just it's just what they are. They are they are the, the rugby textbook playing it. out in front yep. of them. Yeah, they absolutely are. And it's the full back line. They've had a bit of change, but because they've done the hard yards developing guys and, and rotating people in. Um, you know, they've still got that really solid core in the backs. They're lucky they got Sam Whitelock back in uh, just to bolster the numbers while Scott Barrett is unavailable. Um, like, there's just, there's just talent everywhere, and, and they all stand up. Uh, Michael Alatoa put some massive hits on in this game as well. Um, took uh, Artie Severe down from behind, just monstered him. Um, yeah, it's... This, you can't you can't really find fault with them you you've got to defend them and that and that's i think is your new point arch that that if you can't defend those teams um it doesn't matter how good your attack is because you just you just won't keep up against the team who does manage it's, to defend
1: exactly i think like the name of the game in this competition is defense and we've seen it obviously we've highlighted that blues defense has been outstanding i feel like the reason the hurricanes uh couldn't get past the Crusaders in this is because the Crusaders' defence was so on point. And yes, they did concede a lot of penalties, but we saw that for a lot of teams in the first round of this, getting used to the new sort of uh, law interpretations, not changes, just interpretations. And um, Pickerel, the ref, was policing that quite hard. But it's the same for like the Highlanders last week. Um, The reason they stayed in that game is just their defence obviously you would pick a lot of these other teams to have the superior attack but when you have that defense to shut teams down especially with teams like the power of the hurricanes which again like they looked dangerous at several points and every time like you get Nani Lamapi starting to beef up a bit of a run or you get Ben Lamb in a bit of open space you start to worry but they just they're putting in the work and getting back and taking these guys down and like you say, Michael Alalotoa getting back and taking down Artie Sevilla when he was breaking through as well. Like, that that's what you need to do. And that's what um, stops the Canes getting getting tries. They they have to settle for penalties, which they, they didn't score. They scored 18 points in penalties and drop goals. Forcing the Hurricanes to take drop goals. When's the last time that's happened? I think Bashup took a drop goal. What is it like? The twenty eighth minute or thirtieth minute or something like when's the last time you forced the Hurricanes to take drop goals in the first half because they can't get points any other way?
0: Yeah, penalties coming and and they're looking at taking penalties anyway, so they go for the drop goal yeah. as opposed to put in a crossfield kick That's and try right. and get a Ben Lamb underneath it. Like it, it's it's odd. Um, I think probably refine that our take on the on the defence being number one. Um, like th- the rules have been. Not, not changed, but are being uh, officiated in such a way that there's more opportunity for fast attack because players are getting penalised for being slow to roll away, they're being penalised for getting on the ball too late and slowing down that, that attack. So it's all been regeared to give the offence, give the attack more opportunity to pick up the pace and move the ball faster and, and wear out the defence. So everyone's got that... Um, benefit that the other team is a little bit more wary about committing guys to the ruck yeah. because the ball's moving so quickly um, and so it's the teams that can um, be be solid defenders so that, that their additional defensive line members aren't sucked in because tackles are being broken and they're just just having to um, to swamp a guy who's who's can't who, you know can't be taken down they're making their one-on-ones they're putting enough pressure on it at the ruck that the the opposition attack, you know, have to commit a couple of guys, and they're not—they're not allowing that—that that line to break. They're not, you know, they're, they're giving away fewer penalties as the match wore on. Well, maybe that's a, the referee getting fatigued. But. but
1: there was that point where they would got done a few times. They—they conceded a yellow card in the end for Jack Goodye just for multiple infringements. But yeah, there was a point like later on where you where they got done a few times for ripping the ball out as they were tackling a player and then going to the ground first and there was a point where you could hear Whitelock in the back be like we're not ripping the ball anymore don't try and rip the ball and actually that was just like this is not we're not getting away with this at all let's just stop this completely and yeah it starts to change their mindset and it's the team that can adapt that that wins a game like this
0: yeah no that's completely true that was that was really obvious when he started doing that and and they went back to a few highlights after the game and you could see it was a tactic. They were they obviously decided this was an opportunity um, to try and rip the ball out, maybe maybe for the Hurricanes. I don't know if they think they're loose carriers. But, um, yeah, getting their hands on the ball and then getting caught on the ground, not rolling away fast enough, having been on the ball, didn't work out for them. So, um, But the Crusaders have always been like that, haven't they? They've, they've always been a smart team yeah. that adapts, that that can, you know, there's a bit of a feedback um, to their own, to way they're playing. And it's not game to game. They don't take the feedback after 80 minutes and apply it next week. They take the feedback after the first 20 or 40 yeah. and apply it in the second half. Exactly. And that, that allows you to adjust to conditions, to the refereeing, to the opposition's tactics. And I, so, sometimes it feels like the lesser teams, particularly I don't think Australian rugby's um, subject to this, guilty of this, is that we just pick pick one style of play and think if we execute this well enough, we'll beat anyone. And I just don't think that's the case. I think you need to be flexible, and the Crusaders are the exponent of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I want to say in sort of... This was just... It was a really entertaining game to watch from what I thought was going to be like a bit of a one-sided affair. The Hurricanes did stay in it. They showed a lot of grit, a lot of fight, um, but just couldn't convert into tries. But one of the things I thought was pretty amazing, the first half went by and there was one scrum. We didn't get our second scrum till the 50th minute, um, which shows sort of a lot of the handling and um, the finesse that these guys do, and also some good rapping because there were knock-ons, but they were sort of allowed to keep the play going and allowed the flow of the game to keep going, which meant that, well, it felt like it went by too quickly, but that's probably because you weren't sitting around waiting for stoppages and scrum resets the whole game.
0: Yeah, the the pace was frenetic, and the, but the physicality remained really intense all yeah. the way through as well. So um, it was racing along that half, absolutely.
1: So I want to ask you, Leo, Um obviously there was a big departure in the All Blacks um, last year with Kieran Reed leaving. Um, it's opened up a number eight spot. And I wonder what your thoughts are in terms of contenders for, for that position because, look, we had people like Artie Savia moved around all three spots of the back row um, last year and in the World Cup. Um, there's been sort of young emerging talents like, I keep saying his name, Hoskins Satutu. I think he's a great talent down there at the Blues. And then there's um, the replacement at the Crusaders with Fetu Douglas that's been sort of always quite impressive in what he can do. Um, he's a great proponent in the line out as well, Quite quite a multi-talented player as well. Where do you think they're going to end up um, with this number eight uh, for the All Blacks?
0: I think they're going to end up with three guys that are probably better than any of the ones we would field, unfortunately. <laughs> like they're all really good. And so, and you talk about Fetu Douglas as like a you know really solid player in, in the Crusaders lineout. Well, Hoskins satutu and Artie Sevilla are going up in the lineout too, and That's I don't true. see them. Knocking a bunch of ball around. The, the Crusaders were their own enemy today with um, Cody Taylor overthrew a couple of balls, I think.
1: Yeah, bits are um, in the lineouts for both teams.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're going to have heaps of guys to choose from. They're all fairly similar. I, I mean, I really, after that one game this week, like, Satutu just, he had a blinder and he was deservedly man of the match in that game. Um, the Artie Sevilla, I think he's he's still like super dynamic and sometimes he just looks like the hulk just rampaging along with with all momentum and no one can seem to hang on to a leg or an arm or a or a hip um and he's just unstoppable i i don't know if we see as much of that from him anymore um whether it's him or it's just you know people understand that there's only one way you're going to bring him down and it's it's not by trying to put a massive hit on him because it's in his chest he just seems to bump and roll and turn and, and go again um i don't know like I, I need to see more games honestly i i don't have a favorite yet but i'm yeah. i'm i'm jealous i'll say that much i'm really jealous of the the depth they seem to already have um and you know there's two other teams there who's um you know their back row back row stocks aren't a bunch of mugs either so um what what will be interesting actually is you know you again you've only got eight games to prove yourself I think the the older the Super O B season as it started, like there'll be a little bit of a, a look at the form from that competition. But it's almost it almost feels like last year, you know. It's been that long, yeah, and it's it. the rules have changed slightly, the and there. the yeah, play you know new players have come in, and also older players who were playing overseas are now coming back in, and so combinations are changing. You've only got eight weeks to to show you where's and um, those three guys you've picked, I think are are definitely looking. Like the the front runners at the moment, and I don't think the All Blacks are having to pick between certain skill sets or styles. I think they're all pretty capable at at all the typical number eight uh, work workload.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess. It, Did you yeah. have a
0: favourite?
1: I'm I'm a massive fan of Satutu Since I've watched him since the start of the year, like a young guy, but just like continues seemingly to. Have an impact in every game and continues to seemingly improve. Like I already mentioned, like that the pass that he did to set up the Tulea tribe was just exceptional. Um, And just having. You would say uh, that
0: Artie Sevilla has done things like that before, though.
1: That's true. That's definitely true. I wonder if, like, Artie Sevilla, I was always a bit annoyed at at the start of the year because he would do, like, the whole get tackled to the ground but then crawl and sort of put a hand down and keep going. He was a classic, like, issue that's with true. that which they are cracking down on and I wonder if that's actually going to hold him back a little bit because he's so used to doing that whether I was surprised he didn't actually get penalized um at points today um I thought he was going to do it but he, he looks like he had sort of adjusted his game a little bit but that did seem to be a way that he always got over the advantage line so I just I love the duo of um Patrick Palatu and Satutu like going down different sides of the field and it's just there's other guys in there contributing the Blues, but those two just, they look really, really good together. Um, let's let's go and look at next week, and obviously we already said one of the games, but the Blues are coming back to Eden Park. They're getting the Highlanders off the bye. Um, they are top of the table now, and the Highlanders, who obviously are one from one, but... We would think that maybe away from home, especially coming up to Auckland, are going to have a little bit of a tougher time here, um, prove their worth. They should have Josh Yuani back for this game, though.
0: Yeah, which which adds another level to them. We we know they got away with it down in Dunedin. They they played really well without um, Iwani. It Was a late withdrawal, um, and the Chiefs again were very competitive the whole way through and and couldn't couldn't stay in touch, and um, you know was down to the last minutes the kicking is it gonna be like that with the blues in their current form um, I think the blues as as they did would would comfortably cover the Chiefs so I, I think they're a much more difficult proposition for the Highlanders than the Chiefs were at home it's it's a way and it's it's a team that's high on form that's showing really good cohesion uh, style of play I think we haven't seen a lot out of the Highlanders yet but they I mean they were really really struggling at the start of the year and I, I don't think they've probably got the the dynamic forward pack to to contest the blues I think the blues will punch holes with their big men um and that'll just create even more space for people like Barrett and otera Black to to throw their other um outside backs through so again the same guys we've been mentioning Tuapulotu and Situtu and um and Akira Iuanu and like it's, it's a it's gonna be it's gonna be on their backs initially, and I think they're gonna punch holes. I I'd, I'd go as far as saying the the forwards could match the backs for tries in that match. I reckon I reckon that'll be the weak point. The Blues will look to really bustle through the the Highlanders yeah. forward pack.
1: Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think the forwards are what has changed for the Blues in terms of just providing that great platform going forward. Um, they've been solid in the set piece in both aspects, lineouts and scrums. And they seem to just be having this good sort of rhythm as they're, as they're playing, and like Tua said they're not sort of being emotional whether they're being strategic and structured
0: no and they're and they're popping up in support all over the place too so so they're not just doing their work and then letting the backs run it out and whatever happens happens like they're right there with with the rest of the team and and you know being those um in between passes and and drawing defenders so it's yeah, just just a really good package at the moment. I hope it keeps up. I think the Blues deserve um, deserve accolades now and, and deserve to have some success this year. Um, they've put in some some big effort and, and they feel like it feels like they've finally come right. they've got the right combination and, mm. and I want to see them succeed.
1: Be interesting to see if we do see Nahed Milner Scudder for the Highlanders uh, make his um, debut down there. We saw a few years ago be absolutely outstanding for the Canes and play for the All Blacks, but sort of dropped off in a little bit of his form and his famous scutter step sort of disappeared with him. Um, but is very much a dynamic player and you see if he starts linking up with Iwani and Thompson, um, they they do have enough talent if they get the good platform going out to their, their back line.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a really um, tricky player to work against. So he's a Damien McKenzie type, very fast, you know, X-Factor, you know, brings in a range of sort of unexpected kicking styles and, and good vision um, into the backfield. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see him in there. It's it's probably not quite the style you expect out of the Highlanders. Like their previous um, heroes of guys like Ben Smith aren't, Aren't those kind of um, experimental, unusual style players? Like they're just really consistent, and they they you know they draw them in, they throw that pass, and it's just textbook stuff. Um, Milner Scudder with Ioani could be um, could be a really interesting pairing. So if, hopefully they both get on the field for plenty of games, and we get to see them in action.
1: Absolutely. Um, so you seem like you're teetering towards the Blues. Hard to go against them with this run of form at the moment. Are you still tipping a close one, or do you think the Blues might run away with it at home?
0: Um, we haven't really seen the Blues run away with these games. I, I don't know that they're focused on you know absolutely destroying teams. I think they just want to make sure they get wins. So um, I, I'm not saying it's going to be close, but I, I don't think this is a three try margin affair. I think it's you know it's in that sort of maybe maybe ten to twelve points again. Um, just just to be out in front comfortably. I think the Highlanders will bring the fight. Like none of these Super Rugby teams in New Zealand are, are weak, um, but I don't think they'll keep up. I think it'll, it could be a you know similar similar sort of thing to the Chiefs this year. This week was fairly close in the first half, but the Blues you know taking taking the momentum into the second half and and the Highlanders not being able to keep up.
1: Still, so weird to think of the Blues as a more consistent team. Um, that can last a full 80 minutes has just not been the Blues that we know um, for the past few years, eh? Hey?
0: Yeah, well, this weekend, that was their fifth away win in a row, which is a new franchise record. If you didn't know that, that's that's, that's the right. first and only time they've won five away games. So if there's a measure of consistency, um, often it's based on how you go away from home when you're up against it, and, and that's a pretty good thing to be... To be breaking the the franchise record this year, and it all yeah. seems to be heading in the right direction. That's just a good like milestone to knock over.
1: And I and I think also there was a stat that it was the Chiefs' um, third loss at home in a row, which hasn't happened um, since I believe 2011 as well. So yeah, okay, I missed that. One. Yeah, so a bit bit interesting on both sides there, just um, in terms of changing of the guard. Mm-mm, maybe maybe. Um. Yeah, I, I got I do think you're right. I think the Blues by sort of that sort of ten to twelve points is probably where this is going to end up because you're right. The Highlanders just never give up, and that's the team that always tries to keep it close. And we've seen that multiple, multiple times. Uh, what about the other one, uh, Crusaders? First game at home for this tournament, um, down at uh, Christchurch Orange Theory Orange Theory Stadium, um, hosting the Chiefs, which. Uh, if the Chiefs want to be relevant in this competition, is a must-win clash?
0: It is. So you wonder how much they'll lift for this game because it is do or die. Um, if they can't knock over the Crusaders, not only are they three, none from three, the Crusaders, their their main compet- competition for the top of the table are out to two-zip. So, uh, look, I I reckon the Crusaders win and I reckon the Chiefs maybe, maybe don't... Um, don't cope that well with this pressure actually. I'm I'm a bit worried that they might be looking a bit fragile late in the first half if they're down by ten to twelve, you know, getting towards that two try margin and things aren't working. And the Crusaders will just grind them down mentally and physically. And and I can see the Crusaders, you know, having having a great time at home, having a laugh, scoring some tries and the, the Chiefs looking a bit hopeless, hapless and, and very unhappy. I, I think this one has probably got the bigger margin of the two games but yeah, by a try.
1: Interesting. I mean, you know I like the Chiefs. They're my Kiwi team. And, like, I think I was one of the few of us that tipped them earlier on in the year to win against the Crusaders in their first sort of game, which which they managed to do. And they, their typical style is one that can upset the Crusaders' structure. Um of course, it does. It definitely does depend on having a nice dry track. I don't think they're a team that plays the slow game, plays the territory game as well, and definitely probably wouldn't be able to stand up to the Crusaders in that um, regard. But I think on a dry track, they're still going to be able to keep it close and keep up with these Crusaders. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be the blowout that you expect there.
0: That's all right. It's good to have a difference of opinion. I will note that there are scattered showers forecast for next weekend for Christchurch, so they are. It's yeah. I think wet track weekend
1: isn't predicted for scattered showers in Christchurch. though?
0: well, funnily enough, it's dry during the week, so it'll be um. Won't be the conditions they're training in.
1: Fair enough. That doesn't that doesn't help things. Um, But no,
0: I I, I, yeah, I, I just think the Crusaders like first game in just look clinical away from home. They'll go and they'll. I'll just, um, you know, just work off that. They've, they've got no reason to fear the Chiefs. They don't feel like the Chiefs are a scary team. They've got a couple of players that really need to be managed carefully, yeah. um, you know. But you, you, you keep you keep uh, Mackenzie in his box. Aaron Cruden still just hasn't really looked like um, tier one Aaron Cruden from yesteryear yet. So if those guys don't really find that form early in the game. Cruden particularly just looked like a he had a pained look and he was talking yeah. to the ref and asking questions and he just it didn't look like a guy who was confident that they were still in a game it looked like a guy who was you know looking for looking for ways to you know try and get back into it from a distance and I, I just think the Crusaders will be able to do that to them again they'll keep those sorts of guys contained mm-hmm. and after thirty to forty minutes it's going to be starting to look pretty bleak and I'm not sure the Chiefs will, will break the the strength of the, the Crusaders' defence.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, will be very interesting if, if it goes down with the Blues and Crusaders coming out on top. Um, we'll set up a really interesting clash down in uh, round five um, back in Christchurch. Um, that's probably all we really need to discuss. There's no other news that you've heard, Leah, that we, we need to touch on this week?
0: No, it's all been fairly quiet. The um, All the Australian super sides are just focusing on on um, training up for this third of July clash, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Up in up in Queensland, Reds versus Waratahs. Um, you know enough change through those two teams now with with the recent uh, re signings and losses of players, and the Waratahs not in not in great form earlier in the year. So, any yeah, anything could happen in those games. I don't know don't know what to expect, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some Aussie Super Rugby.
1: Absolutely, stop talking about all these kiwis the whole time. Um, look, remember to catch up with every news as it breaks on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's at Running Rugby Podcast Instagram and Facebook, and at Running Rugby Pod for Twitter as well. Um, just a shout out to because we are doing the still doing the Running Rugby Pod pool um, on Super Brew. Um, GJH Lee Bell has uh, been doing very well on that. He's, he's joined us. The the only man to tip the Blues on um, Saturday and he tipped the Highlanders the week before. So he's on top there. Doing very well there, mate. Make sure you're subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify or Stitcher, whatever your main platform is for podcasts. Press that subscribe button. Put it down for a five-star review. Um, we'll be back next week with obviously all the news from another round of Super Rugby Aotearoa and the preview of Super Rugby Australia. And it should be a, a magical time. We'll, we'll suddenly jump from two games a weekend to four games a weekend. It's going to be a lovely sight to see. Games on Friday, Saturday and Sunday uh, just definitely makes those weekends more exciting. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Make sure you keep listening and keep on learning.
0: Run.